It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is a Sunday. I am Dan Lobby and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. And Scott Patsko joining us as well. Scott, how are you? Doing good. I was the brave one who drove home. You guys are still <laughs> camping out at the stadium there. Which, by the way, can we start a petition to have the Browns move everything downtown so we can have every practice at the stadium? Oh my God. Because I really enjoyed lounging in Section 107 today with a bird's eye view of practice. That was pretty cool. It, it was the best view we've had of practice all year. And, you know, it got me thinking, like, if their, their plan is not approved uh, to have fans here, at least for those early games, that'd yeah. be nice on that Thursday night. I'd love to just go sit out in, like, section 110 or something and, and watch <laughs> the game from there instead of sitting up in the press box, which is actually where Mary Kay and I still are, uh, sitting at the uh, first Energy Stadium press box. We got to see not only – our best view of practice today, but we also got to see this team compete a little bit, which is really the first time since we've been watching practice. And maybe they've, they've done it some other time. I don't know when, but uh, we've gotten a chance to see this football team compete and move the football. Um, so, so let's just get into that. Let's see what we saw, especially in those two 15 minute quarters that they played. It was Case Keenum leading the second team group against the first team offense and then vice versa. Uh, Mary Kay, what did you come away from that? kind of 30 minute football time window uh, thinking about? Well, I came away a little bit concerned about the fact that, uh, that Baker Mayfield and the first team offense going against the second team defense was beat by Case Keenum and his second team offense going against primarily the first team defense. Uh, I, I just thought that that was uh, a little bit concerning with the opener coming up 13 days from now. Now, the sky is not falling. Let's, you know, let's not overreact to this. They haven't game planned anything. They haven't picked out exactly what Baker Mayfield does best. Uh, they haven't identified quite like Alex Van Pelt said last week, who they are yet uh, when Baker Mayfield is in there. Um, but I, I came away from it still a little bit worried about that. And then after the move the ball period, Baker was given one last chance uh, with an, they were both given one last end of game situation, uh, separate from all of that, you know, just before we walked out and the practice ended with Baker Mayfield uh, with, you know, down six at the 10 yard line uh, with a chance to, you know, to win the football game. And that's important. Uh, that's what you need to do. And he was picked off 
in the end zone by safety Javon Moffitt on a pass for Donovan Peoples-Jones from the 10th. And that's just not how you want to end your practice. That's not how you, you know, you, you, sometimes you play, quite often you play the way you practice. And I just didn't think that was a, a good way to end it. And so therefore, for, for the sake of the Browns and the offense, I hope Baker Mayfield goes back and looks at this film and, and comes back with even more of a sense of urgency. Yeah, if Moffitt doesn't make the team, he'll always have that. His, uh, his end zone interception of Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, it, it, Keenum looked good. He looked sharp. He looked like when he dropped back, he knew exactly where he was going. He didn't, there weren't a lot of, uh, there was a couple I, I know he checked down on, but he just seemed to have a real command of where he was going. And, and he was moving the ball. There weren't a lot of, you know, third downs that I remember when he had the offense out there with the second team. With Baker, there was a lot more um, decision-making, it seemed like. A lot more uh, trying to figure out where he's going to go. It really was a slow start, but I thought the offense got better as they went along. You know, even with the way it ended there, uh, the, the offense with Baker still had its moments. And like uh, one of our subtexters texted, uh, replied to something I posted uh, saying, talk me off the ledge, you know. <laughs> and I, the, my reply was, Baker Mayfield's not the only one out there trying to learn a new offense. Um, so I think that's important to keep in mind that it's not all the quarterback. Um, you know, he's not the new person here. It's, all, it's everybody trying to learn together. And you have to keep that in mind. We don't have the inside knowledge on exactly what everybody's supposed to be doing at every point. Um, but I guess you can look at this two ways. I mean, it, we saw what the offense is supposed to look like. We just saw Case Keenum showing us that and not, not so much Baker Mayfield today. So. I mean, it's still practice. I'm trying really hard not to make any sweeping judgments about the Browns just from watching practice this year with how condensed it is. So I'm going to keep to that. I mean, I think the most concerning thing is probably when you look at both sides of the ball, the second team offense looked pretty good and they were going against at least what was out there for the first team offense. Now, obviously, Miles Garrett was not out there. Greedy Williams is still out. BJ Goodson was not out there. Uh, so it wasn't the full complement of the first team offense, but they looked pretty good going against the first team offense. And then when you flip that with Baker Mayfield, he was going against the second team offense, which Scott, yeah. I think you pointed this out either to our football insiders or on Twitter. That was sort of a shell of the second team offense too, because of that domino effect. Mm -hmm. You're saying, yeah. you keep saying second, first team offense and second team offense. It's defense, oh, yes, but we yeah. know it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, we, we get we get the point um, but yeah you're right the uh, the first team defense was down a, a lot of guys so you have to take that into consideration but if you just look alone at what Baker Mayfield and the first team offense was able to do it still has a ways to go again like Scott said I, I don't think the sky is falling I don't think it's time to panic they're going to pull out what they do well we know they're going to be able to run the ball. We absolutely know they're going to be able to run the ball. And you know what else? Maybe, uh, maybe they're, you know, trying to make it uh, send a message to the Ravens that they suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's all this gamesmanship. Lull them yes. into a false sense of security and have the Ravens over there saying, oh, it doesn't matter. We've got this. They, they, they look horrible over there in Cleveland. But no, I, I do think uh, that, that they, they've got to go back to the drawing board and they've got to find out 
what Baker Mayfield feels comfortable with. Because remember this about Baker Mayfield. Not only is he, does he have new language going through his mind, he's got new footwork, he's got uh, a new scheme, new players, and they never had much time to put this on the grass. So naturally, Case Keenum, who knows this offense better than Baker does, and has worked for Kevin Stefanski before, and went 11-3 and under Kevin Stefanski as his quarterback's coach in Minnesota, he's going to look a little bit smoother in it right now. But Baker's going to get it together. I, I don't think it's time to really worry about this yet. And I think Baker pointed it out, too. It's not like this wasn't something they game planned for, you know. They're not game planning for their own defense in a scrimmage like this. And it wasn't really even a scrimmage. It was basically a, a kind of a move the ball session and – you had uh, Kevin Stefanski kind of roaming the field, giving both sides some signals. And, um, you know, it, I think there was one point, so I almost texted both of you wondering if Freddie Kitchens was calling plays when they tried the uh, direct snap to Jarvis Landry and he kind of threw it back to Baker and it just kind of blew up. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, I, they're still in learning mode, I think. And this wasn't, you know, a game or a, a situation where they were uh, trying to use their best 15 plays and march down the field. I, it just didn't seem like that. They didn't run the ball, I don't think, nearly as much as you're going to see in week one. Um, it was a lot more a lot more of a passing game. Um, but one thing of note, I did notice Alex Van Pelt was the guy on the, the walkie-talkie radioing into the quarterback's helmets for whatever that's worth. Um, you know, I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that. I know Stefanski said he'll let us know when he lets us know, but that's something of, to, to take note of, I think. Well, it is because – that's sort of the way it's been in, in camp, at least that we've been able to spot. And look, we're getting close, right? Two weeks from now, this team is playing a football game. So, you know, at, at some point, he, he's going to have to make this decision quickly. And I think what one thing we've learned about uh, Kevin Stefanski so far is he's not going to tell us a whole lot. So I don't know that he's necessarily made the decision, but I think this late in the process, the fact that Alex Van Pelt is the guy with the walkie-talkie and then, you know, when they scrimmage, I think they're going to be up in booths and, and really using the headsets and things like that. Um, if it's Alex Van Pelt doing it again, then I, I think we have our answer. And I feel like maybe we're pretty close to that answer if, if he was the guy out there doing it today. You would think so. You know, I mean, that would seem to be the case. And that would be what my gut instinct would tell me, that if, if Alex has been doing it throughout training camp, if Alex Van Pelt did it today and Friday night when we come back here uh, for the scrimmage, if he's doing it again, that would seem uh, to be the case. But Kevin Stefanski could basically say, you know, look, I, I mean, not, he would not say this to us, but to himself, <laughs> he could say, I let him do it. I think I can do a better job. I'm going to keep it for myself. Plus, if it's going to look a little ragged in the beginning, you might not want to put that on Alex Van Pelt, you know, maybe just let him kind of uh, work with Baker Mayfield and have the time to just focus on him during the game because he didn't have time to get up to speed throughout the soft season. Maybe that would free up Alex just to kind of, you know, work with him on looking over the, the, you know, the photographs and, you know, just doing that kind of thing. So I don't know. I can't read these tea leaves yet. Yeah. I think it's important for the fans to, to know that, we're not going to get a ton of inside information from Kevin Stefanski. It's not going to be those uh, freewheeling press conferences we saw with Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson, where you weren't always sure what they were going to say. You know, I think Kevin Stefanski is kind of like the polite version of Bill Belichick. That's what we're going to get this season. 
Yeah, we have not seen. I mean, there were times with with both of those coaches you mentioned, Scott. Even going back to to Mike Pettin, uh, there were times when you could tell they didn't like. You'd ask them a question, and they just didn't want to engage in it, and they do a really good job initially of not doing it, and then they just couldn't help themselves. Especially Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie just couldn't help himself a, a lot of the time. Uh, you guys want some unofficial stats? Ooh. Sure, of course you do. Uh, I had Case Keenum 10 of 12 for 139 and two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield 11 of 14 for 156. Now that's not counting those those two red zone periods at the end. Um, so that's just counting those two quarters when they move the ball. And how about David Njoku? Three catches for 86 yards. I said in, in our a text to football insiders when I sent out some observations that it was like David Njoku and Damian Ratley were back from the dead today. You know, Njoku has sort of been, you know, dealing with the wrist. Uh, I had that weird thing we talked about yesterday uh, on Saturday when he was fully dressed and then he left the field. Uh, he was out there today and he started off that, that scrimmage period with a big catch and run. It reminded me of, of that play he had against Cincinnati a couple years ago. You know, Njoku is not on the bubble. He's going to make this roster, but it's good to, for him to make some of those plays. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things that gave him an opportunity also uh, to get some reps today was the fact that they basically held Austin Hooper out of the the first several of the move the ball periods. He wasn't out there. He didn't come in until the the last move the ball period. Uh, and I asked Kevin Stefanski about that. He said that was for an abundance of caution. Now, a couple of days ago, the last padded practice, uh, we saw him kind of go down uh, come up slowly. He, he got tangled up. He came up slowly. Uh, you know, he was kind of a little gimpy on an ankle and he stayed that way for the rest of practice. And I, I thought he might end up missing just a little bit of time after that, just to be very, very careful. Now, I have no idea if this situation is related to that. Maybe it's just a coincidence, but that gave an opportunity for David Njoku to go out there and make some plays. He did not look like a happy man last time we saw him on the sidelines over there. And maybe that's because his wrist is bothering him. Surgically repaired wrist, having some pain in it, and that scares the heck out of athletes when something like that happens. It was almost like we saw Njoku lose his starting role and then gain it back all in one practice. <laughs> because when they were doing the walkthrough before they got to the move the ball session, you know, he was on the sideline when the first team was out there. And it was, you know, Harrison Bryant out there with Austin Hooper kind of doing the, the walkthrough stuff. Uh, and then, you know, here comes David Njoku on with Case Keenum and the second team when they actually got going. And he catches that, that big pass right out of the gate. Um, but by the end of that period, he was back getting some first team reps. He caught a big pass from Baker uh, as they were going in for a score on maybe one of their final, by the second to last drive um, of that session. So it, he just seemed to kind of go through this roller coaster. Maybe, maybe it just seemed like a roller coaster from the outside, but uh, you know, clearly he was not uh, in first team plans to start off that, that session and kind of worked his way back in there and you know, made the most of it. Okay, we're going to take a break. I'll tell everybody about Football Insider. and we come back, we'll, we'll wrap up talking about uh, the Browns practice here at First Energy Stadium. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events 
for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a tech service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. All right, back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, we were talking about the Browns' practice at First Energy Stadium, and we're going to do a, a little thing here in a minute where we tell tell you what we liked and didn't like from today. Uh, but first, Mary Kay, you did have a little bit of news from today concerning the Browns and uh, the safety position. Yes, I have a story up. I posted that uh, they have expressed interest in Logan Ryan. We remember uh, Logan from the opener last year. He picked off Baker Mayfield. He had a really nice game in that game. Came back from uh, an injury, uh, a broken fibula, actually, and uh, had one and a half sacks. He picked off Baker Mayfield, got a little beer thrown in his face in the uh, from the dog pound. But the Browns have expressed interest in Logan Ryan. And I actually think this would be a really good pickup for them. Not only have they lost Grant Delpit to the ruptured Achilles for the season, but Greedy Williams has a shoulder injury. We haven't even seen him since he walked off the field on Monday. And who knows uh, what's going on with that. I have no idea. I keep trying and I can't find anything out on that. But I would go ahead and try to sign Logan Ryan. The problem with Logan Ryan, he wants $10 million a year the Browns don't want to pay $10 million a year uh, to a 29-year-old defensive back when, you know, hopefully, obviously, Grant Delpit will be coming back next year and whatnot. So I'm sure they don't want to pay that kind of money. Um, but Logan Ryan, new development, has hired a new agent, and it's somebody that the Browns know really well. It's Joel Siegel, Grant Delpit's agent. So they know him. They, they've dealt with him a lot, obviously, over the past few months, and uh, you know, if they want to try to revisit this, they will, but it would require uh, Logan Ryan kind of coming off the uh, $10 million salary demand at this point. Scott, do you like Logan Ryan for the Browns or stay away? I think it's a good signing. I don't know if it's a good signing at that price, but, you know, hey, if you know, if he can maybe make amends with whoever threw beer in his face and bring people together, it's a good signing, you know. All right, let's uh, let's get to it here. Uh, likes and dislikes. Let's start with uh, with like Mary Kay. What did you like from today? Well, one of the things that I liked uh, was that they tried a trick play, and you know we're not supposed to get super specific about it. Although I'm sure everybody will write exactly how it went down. But uh, you know they tried a trick play, and they've got a number of guys on this football team that I think can do those sorts of things, especially Jarvis and Odell. Both of those guys can be involved in trick plays. They're fun. They're exciting. They keep a defense on its heels. 
they tried it, didn't go well today, um, but I like the fact that they did it, and I hope to see more of that. Yeah, speaking of trick plays, they tried a ton on special teams today with punts, uh, a lot of variety, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I, won't, I won't give anything away, but they clearly have spent some time um, scheming some of that stuff, but that's not my good thing. Uh, it's Dernis Johnson who came out with the second team offense and really showed up. He had a big run to start off the drive, their first drive, which ended in a touchdown. Uh, he had a couple catches on that drive. He later scored a touchdown and actually jumped into the dog pound. No one was there, but I mean, you know, you need reps for everything apparently. Uh, so if you're keeping track of who might be that, you know, backup, backup running back behind the first two guys, uh, you know, Dernis Johnson had a good day and Dontrell here, you dropped a, a touchdown pass in the end zone. Yeah. Don, Dontrell, uh, Dearness Johnson looked good today. He looked kind of explosive. You know, there's not going to be a ton of carries there for that third back, but you do need to have a guy there. My like was actually, I'm going to go back to that first team offense. I'm going to say the right, right unit this time. First team offense. <laughs> I actually thought they looked pretty good when they were doing the red zone team period early in practice. I thought that was probably the best I've seen this offense look. It wasn't perfect, uh, but we saw a completion to Odell Beckham Jr. He made a nice catch. We saw a completion to Austin Hooper. He made a nice catch. There was even a play where I thought Baker maybe looked at Jarvis Landry a little bit too long and got himself stuck and started to scramble. And he managed to get the ball to Kareem Hunt, but it was just a little bit out of bounds. Hunt couldn't get his, his feet down before his leg touched out of bounds, but it was a pretty close play. Uh, so I just liked how that, that first team offense looked uh, in, in that early red zone period before they went to the scrimmage. I, I thought that's the sharpest that I've seen them, at least when we've been out there in camp. Now, I didn't notice. I think that was against the first team. I believe it was. Defense yeah. because Austin Hooper caught that touchdown pass against uh, Tay Davis. Uh, so I think that that was definitely the ones against the ones. So that's more encouraging. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back and look. But I, I think you're right. I, you know, because I have some defense yes. guys written. Was, I have some was, defensive notes written down here, too. And there's some first teamers on. Yeah, there, so. it was ones versus ones because – Odell was against uh, Sandejo was down here, was okay. down there in the end zone against him. So yeah, that was ones versus ones. Okay. Um, Mary Kay, what didn't you like? You know, I did not like that Baker pick to end the practice. I mean, you just don't want to walk out like that. You don't want that to be the last taste in your mouth about uh, coming down here and feeling good about everything. Uh, I, I just thought that that was, you know, coming off the 21 interceptions last year, uh, you know, a chance to win the football game. And uh, going against second teamers, second team defensive guys, that's just not what you want to see, even in a practice. All right, mine my, my might be a little nitpicking because Austin Seibert had a really Love good it. day. He <laughs> made, I think he made, when they did the field goal session, he made everything until they got to just like maybe 50, 54 yards, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think he came up a little short. They were kicking towards the dog pound. But they did have a couple instances where they tried to rush the field goal team out there and, and get a kickoff quick. And he, he uh, hit uh, with the left upright from 50 yards and the right upright from 52 yards, um, both going towards the dog pound. And clearly that's the, the side of the, the stadium where you're going to want to practice the most because we know after watching last season and really most previous seasons that that, that side of the, the, the field, that end zone in particular, is just havoc for, for kickers. And Seibert had his first miss of the year, I think, there. And then most of his misses 
at First Energy Stadium came at that dog pound end. So, um, again, I'm sure he's a lot more upset about it than anybody else, and Mike Prefer is. But you know, that dog pound end is is a, is a challenge and rushed long field goals. It it just didn't work out today. Yeah, and of course, the problem there too is it's not as big a challenge on August 30th as it is you know, on December 1st or whenever. Uh, what I didn't like, uh, this is more of us getting a chance to just talk about this topic real quick, but what I didn't like is that the Browns can't seem to get Miles Garrett on the field for very long. He was out today with a wrist injury. I don't know that it's anything to, to be concerned about. Kevin Stefanski didn't seem concerned about it, uh, but I just, I wish we could see more Miles Garrett out there, especially going against Jedrick Wills or Jack Conklin, uh, really getting these guys ready. I think Miles is a guy that can hit the ground running. But again, in, in the back of your mind, it's, it's hard to shake. He seems playing football in two weeks. Yeah, and again, and I've been saying this throughout, the, throughout camp, is that uh, Miles is Miles, and he's going to do what he does. But the opportunity for the rest of the offensive line to experience Miles Garrett wherever he lines up, whether it be in the middle, on the outside, on the left, on the right, anybody – having that, you know, ferocious, explosive beast coming at you is just a really good way to prepare for the season. And Jed Wills really hasn't had too much of that yet. Hopefully for him and for, for everybody on this team, he'll get a little taste of that before he goes out and plays his first game. Uh, but you're right, Dan, uh, you know, Miles missing the first five days of practice and then missing again today. It's just a, not exactly ideal. Well, if we're going to talk about Miles Garrett being a defensive player of the year candidate, Wills isn't going to see that very often anyways. I'm, I'm fine with them having the abundance of caution. Um, you know, we saw what this defense looked like without Miles Garrett last year, and I think they want to protect themselves against that again. So, you know, if it means we don't get to see him as much or if the offensive line doesn't get to see him as much, I think they, they just want him healthy. Okay, that'll do it for our first Energy Stadium practice edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, wherever you listen to them. And also check out Football Insider. I told you the number earlier, but to start that 14-day free trial, it's 216-208-3965. Send a text to that number. You get to see if Football Insider is right for you uh, over the next couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm sure we'll have something fun uh, coming your way between now and the start of the season, some kind of cool opportunity. Uh, let's just say it now. Let's do a preseason Zoom call, a, a preview, a season preview Zoom call with our Football Insider subscribers. I have committed you both to that here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All right, that'll do it for Scott and Mary Kay. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.